Hey guys, welcome to the debrief. Hear my upbeat voice. It's very upbeat because we are in a bear market. Uh, are you excited about this? Uh, I mean, it's a buying I, opportunity. For David. some reason, I just feel at home during a bear market because, like, I got in into crypto during 2017 after the bull market had already been like live for a year, yeah. uh, and then like you know, not even a year later, I just got thrown into my first ever like significant bear market, and then yeah. that's that's when like all of my crypto knowledge came about. That's where I bought most of my ETH, uh, and so like I just feel at home during it during. <laughs> A bear market, and it's actually this bull market has been really uncomfortable for many, many reasons. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I've it's gotten old for me too, a little bit. So, so to, 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 I hope, listener, you're not you're not hearing this and, and hearing David and I kind of relish the bear market. We like carnage, yeah. and we like pain, and we're saddest and that sort of thing. All of these things are true, of course. We are saddest. It's just the beast uh, we know, you know. It's just the beast we know. And look, in bear markets are more fun when you have money to mm -hmm. deploy into them. Right, and you haven't uh, over leveraged yourself during the bull run. So if you've avoided those mistakes and you have some cash on reserve, bear markets are actually kind of yeah. fun. They're buying opportunities, yeah. and I think when you've been in crypto for a few cycles, you sort of realize that, and and you have that cash on reserve. But you know, uh, David, you you made the point. I just want to reiterate this in our, I think our previous episode with Jim Jim O'Shaughnessy, where uh, you didn't have much money during the last bear market. Mm -mm. And so you thought to yourself, well, what are other resources at my disposal that I can deploy into this bear market and receive upside on the other side of things? And you came to the conclusion that my time, that's my resource, my career. And so you fully doubled down and actually like became sort of a, a full-time employee in the bear market and started writing, started expanding your career opportunities, and invested in crypto during the bear market that way. Mm. How did that investment pay off for you? Oh, that worked out fantastically, Ryan. Now, <laughs> now all of my friends are in crypto, uh, and like crypto being this very interesting thing, uh, it, it's actually easy to give up all of your time and inject that into the crypto world. And just the ROI of building, and for me, that was writing and podcasting, uh, has paid dividends. Uh, and so, you know, I, I didn't have all that much money going into the bear market the first time around, but like using all of the other forms of capital that I had, uh, you know, you can grow social capital, which can turn into financial capital later. Uh, and, and, and so like, there's just a bunch of other things that you can do in a bear market to, to come out the other side, you know just greener than ever. I think this would, could be actually a cool bankless article, honestly, is how to invest in a bear market when you have mm -hmm. no money. Mm -hmm. because there are all sorts of different ways, creative right. ways you can invest in a bear market, even totally. if you have like zero cash. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, uh, you've got a lot, like a lot of, uh, what, what to, what to do when you've already spent all of your cash. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, uh, we're coming to that. We could talk a little bit about the podcast. I, I want to do that, but mm -hmm. it's, uh, there's so much going on in the market right now. Mm -hmm. Um, so one is uh, UST. We mm -hmm. we're not sure whether Terra, and UST will kind of collapse or not, whether this is sort of a run on the bank that, that will um, take it down or not. I, I still think it's probably unlikely that it does collapse. I'd still, you know, lean yeah. more on that side of things. But uh, to be in a position to like wake up every day and like be glued to the charts and where you're kind of guessing, like you're not sure. Yeah. Uh, right. Very different scenario with an algo stablecoin than something like DAI, where you're always like, well, whatever the market makers are doing to the price of die, we can see on chain the underlying value of the thing is not underwater and therefore right. it should like swing back to the, you know, its peg. 
this is a very different scenario with with Terra, where that outcome is not at all certain. The thing could definitely collapse below its peg, and basically the community is relying on the jump capitals of the world and the billionaires and the LFG groups and to sort of come in and, and protect the peg. And to me, that's not a great place for crypto to be in. What are some of your reflections on that? Yeah, well, from what, I, from what I've understood, like pegs break. That's what they do. Uh, and over time, like inevitably pegs will, will, will run out and run its course. But it's just a matter of just like how strong, how like how much ammo is there to defend the peg? And with like the the conversation around an algo stablecoin, algo stablecoins, the algorithmic word is like it illustrates it a little bit, but it's also like reflexive. Also works very very well to to describe an algo stablecoin. It's a reflexive stablecoin, and when it starts to depeg, that it gets worse as time goes on. And so like the longer it stays away from the dollar, the more. Uh, fear and uncertainty it incurs in its holders, which can create further selling, which can create a further depegging. Uh, and so like right now, as we were recording this podcast with Raul, uh, the Luna Guard had to deploy their Bitcoin reserves, their remaining Bitcoin reserves. So they had like $1.3 in Bitcoin. They sent that somewhere. I'm All presu- of it? Yeah, they sent $1.3 billion of Bitcoin. They deployed that somewhere. They, uh, I don't know if that means that they liquidated it, but they, they have it like ready to it's go. On it's on the move. Uh, and so, and, and, and right now there's $18 billion of outstanding UST and it's at 94 cents. It's at 94 cents. So that's uh, six cents off the peg at $18 billion. That's $1.08 billion of value that is missing because it's off the peg, right? So they got $1.3 billion of Bitcoin with $1.08 billion in missing value from, from the stable coin, right? And so like there's a lot of room to make up. And right now, like the, it's it's this is well, the, the conversation going on is that they are selling Bitcoin. They are selling also they have avalanche on the reserves. They're selling their their reserves in order to dis, uh, defend the peg. But that's causing the market to drop. And, and so I, they're, they're costing yeah, us all. We have to dig into this more. And I think some some analysts on our team are like digging into this now. But it, it seems like um, Jump Jump Capital is also selling some ETH mm-hmm. in order to maybe step in and help. Right. And Jump is, of course, a big supporter of, of the Terra ecosystem and other other ecosystems like it. Um, but I was looking at Masari when I was going through the uh, price off all time high when we were talking to Raul, and it was so um, weird to see the value of Aluna actually under the value of UST. That's <laughs> so bad. that's a bad sign. That's that a bad thing. <laughs> we are very clearly under collateralized on UST. So mm-hmm. Luna is now worth at the time we're doing this uh, debrief sixteen billion dollars. Whereas there is seventeen billion dollars in outstanding UST debt obligations, so that's there's like fifteen fifteen point five billion dollars for Luna, and yeah. then there's seventeen point five billion dollars for for Terra USD. So there's a two billion dollar discrepancy that's $2 billion. there. Yeah, excuse yeah. me, two billion dollar yeah. discrepancy. So uh, that's not super comforting. Uh, and again, mm-hmm. we don't know what's going to happen. It's you know, it's um, don't want to predict the demise of the thing, but it's. Uh, it's it's hard it's, not a, to it's be a weakness that like we, we this is the weakness that it's, we were concerned it is a known about weakness yes it's a known weakness like algo stablecoins are reflexive if you have to have external currencies defend your peg like that is like you you hope that that works and like sure maybe it does work but like you kind of have to hope that it does in the first place like there are no assurances that it does work yeah I um. 
was having a conversation with uh, Jim Bianco about this over the weekend because his mm-hmm. comment is he, he said something to the effect of jump is the fed of right. DeFi right now, jump right. capital. And my comment was, well, maybe for Terra, maybe Solana, maybe some other ecosystems, but jump right. is not the fed of ETH. Right. And his question was like, well, what happens if jump go decides not to defend the peg? decides to cut its losses. It's a for-profit company. It's not a public institution. It cannot print more money. It is like a bank. It can go bankrupt. We've seen that happen before if it gets overextended and maybe it won't want to risk that. And so it'll just abandon its position. What happens if that's the case? And my comment was better now than later. Right. Better now when this, then this thing is like 10 X in size. And when it's, uh, an existential risk, and it's systemically important not only to crypto but to the wider ecosystem. I'd rather take my lump now and have like a, a you know, maybe a painful dip, but to come back healthier and stronger because we've detoxed, we've gotten the uh, the junk out of our system, and we've we've cleansed, and we're out on the other side uh, in a healthier place. So I don't think this takes down all of crypto, but it's not going to be pretty. It's going to be painful in the short run. And look, DeFi will continue on and Ethereum will remain unaffected. Um, but <laughs> I don't know what it'll do to other ecosystems. And that is that is kind of an outstanding question. Well, I mean, the, this is a very expected outcome, I'd say. Like the Terra ecosystem was juicing its growth with uh, artificial stablecoin yields in the Anchor protocol, sucking up a ton of Anchor TVL. And in our conversation with Raul, we talked about like, well, is, is this uh, like three-month bear market that we've been in globally, all, like equities, crypto has been down since January. We, we, we talked about like, is this just the other side of the stimmy checks, right? Where the stimmy checks boosted the economy. They put cash in people's pockets. It's what created inflation. Now now we're like in that hangover phase of the early roaring 20s that, that we went through. And this is the same thing that's going on with the Luna ecosystem. They did artificial juicing of stablecoin yields to help grow adoption, they which brought worked. It all forward. They brought it all forward. And now they have to pay the debts. And so like, where, where do they think, where do people think that they got the Bitcoin from to put in the collateral in the first place. They got it from selling UST. They got it from selling Luna. And so now they have to buy Luna. They have to buy uh, UST on the other side of the thing. But, yeah. the, but the difference is they bought Bitcoin at a higher price and now they have to sell it as a, at a lower price. So they actually lost like, I don't know, 20% of their the value of their ammo because Bitcoin has gone down. I uh, and I By the way, David, I don't really understand why you're buying Bitcoin or Avalanche. Like why not buy like dollars? Rather yeah. than that, if you're trying to defend a defend dollar peg, peg, I right. mean, like, it's skies. Bitcoin's going down too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Non, it, it is nice to have non correlated assets, right? Which is why MakerDAO uses real world collateral for t- defending their peg. Uh, <laughs> well, so, so I got a, a comment about this when uh, I, I tweeted something out. I guess we're doing this when it was a, it was a image mm-hmm. of the market cap of UST and it kind of depegging. Or looking like uh, it was depegging, and uh, someone tweeted back and said, "In your podcast, you know, we did that debate podcast, the bull case and bear case for UST. Uh, we said that UST needed to be tested in the worst case scenario possible. Here we are. Then let's see in the following days. My bet is it'll be fine and it'll thrive afterwards. That is a bet that some people are making that this is the worst case scenario and it'll be fine." And we'll have to see. And I definitely agree that it's kind of a case of we'll have to see. I'm not calling for the destruction of this thing, but we'll have to see. But I disagree that this is a worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is a worst case scenario. 
like um, think back to even just in our recent memories, last two years, uh, March of 2020, when we had the COVID shock, right? Mm -hmm. And how that hit crypto, hit Bitcoin, hit ETH, mass liquidations, right? At, at some level, we're just kind of testing the edges here. Like things could get a lot worse. It could get a lot bloodier. This is a, a bad scenario, but this is definitely not unprecedented for crypto. If it's depegging right now, if things get a lot uglier and we have worse days than we've had today, that would be a worst case scenario. So even all I'm saying is even if it comes out of this unscathed and it's still alive and it's still standing by the end of the week, some people will be ready to declare victory. Not me, like not me at all. Like take me back to like August, 2020, you know, or a Mount Gox level hack, some sort of existential event and see how it holds through that. That is a, that is a test. So right. uh, I don't know what your take is on there. Do you think this is the worst case scenario? Or do you think things could get worse? Um, it's all facts and circumstances, right? And so like maybe the world as at large just becomes like, you know, rainbows and, and green green pastures and there are no like COVID style dumps ever uh, in the, well, not ever, but like in the near term. And maybe this is the biggest test that Luna will face in, in the near term. And so it just has to survive this, right? Like make, make or Dow almost didn't make it through the COVID, the COVID crash. Like during the COVID crash, there were zero collateral liquidations um, or zero collateral liquidations for zero die. As in like there were liquidations of ETH that were sold off for zero die. And that was like kind of a breaking of the system. And so MakerDAO almost didn't make it through that test. Uh, maybe this is the, the test that, um, that Luna almost makes it, that does make it through and just barely gets, gets through this. And maybe that's the big, that maybe that's like the test that it needs to like, okay, we need to, we need to double down on, on this effort in the future. We need to not bootstrap, not juice so much growth so quickly. We need to make this more sustainable. We need to be more risk adverse for future incidents. And maybe this is the thing that like kicks them into being more risk averse rather than growth mindset. And maybe, maybe that's the thing that, that protects them over the long term. I think that's it really, true. it really just matters to, to, it depends on what you, whether you're the, in the position of, uh, some people think that UST will collapse at some point in time, no matter what. Like some, some people are of that opinion uh, and some people do think that like, no, it's a balancing act. And if they just get the balancing act right from the rest of time, then, just, then you they, know what annoy, the whole situation annoys me because like we're going back to like, what does Do Kwan, what is he saying on a given day? How confident is he in the market? Mm -hmm. And now instead of Jerome Powell, mm -hmm. right now we have a Do Kwan. I'm like, right. isn't crypto supposed to fix this shit? Right. Like, weren't we supposed to like, no, for, we for you, for you an and, and for me, but like for some people are like, no, this is, it's, it's the same. We're, we're cool with this. Some people are cool with it. See, I, it's not the whole vibe of it is not mm -hmm. like we're relying on jump capital. We're relying on the LFG group, mm -hmm. you know, centralized custodians. Are they moving Bitcoin around to protect the peg? Are they not? How confident is Do Kwan feeling in a given morning? What's he saying on Twitter? Right. Like it's just Jerome Powell vibes, and no, that's the he, old system. Thank he's you. Peacock, no, he, he's peacocking on Twitter right now, trying to instill confidence. Well, in he kind of has to. He has he selected to. that role, so right. he is the Jerome Powell, which is like this is how, you know, the the, uh, the new wave crypto algo central banks d bestow confidence is they just you know they say things on Twitter very loudly and in right. ostentatious ways, right? right. So. But to me, I'm just like, uh, no, it's not, not for me. I'm opting out of that. So right. 
But like this goes to the question that I guess the discussion we were having uh, pri- prior to all this, David, is so uh, we Bankless has a little bit of capital that we've wanted mm-hmm. to deploy because we want some uh, ETH. We want some ultrasound money. Yeah. We want some ultrasound money, maybe to purchase like NFTs in the future. Who knows? But we just want it going to the merge because the two two times in your life you can buy ETH. One is before the merge, the other is after the merge. Okay. <laughs> so we want to be in the before the merge camp as much as possible. Mm-hmm. But the question of when to deploy it is uh is an outstanding question. And you feel like today is the day to deploy it, do you not? So this it, is May 9th, uh yeah. 2022, and you're feeling like this is a local low. Well, okay, we're we're watching liquidations happen, uh, both inside of the DeFi ecosystem, and we're watching the Luna Guard have to liquidate their Bitcoin. Uh, we already watched Jump having to liquidate their Ether to defend the peg. So, like, in, in addition to all of that, like, we're get, we're seeing liquidations happen, uh, and that is when you see liquidations happen, that is a good time to buy. Like, these are forced sellers. I would enjoy buying the, the, the ether off of these forced sellers. That seems to be like a, a rational thing to, to, to uh, execute on. Do you think it'll get lower, though? Could we buy lower later? Do you think that we've just hit sort of a local low? Or do you think we get below 2000 Do you think there's more opportunities in the future at a lower price? Well, let's, let's, let's take a look at the chart. Let's take a look at the chart. So here is, let's go out to the one day. Bam. Okay, so let's let's move this out to 2021. So here's all of 2021, right? Uh, we, it is the only we've been lower one time, which is that January dump, which we got all the way down to 2150. Uh, we also dumped in March or at the end of February to 2300. So we're already below that. We're kind of at that right uh, right now, but we got below that. We haven't. We're basically at the second lowest point of 2022, uh, and we've we hit a low of 2,230 dollars earlier today. Uh, that, and so like we're in, we're basically at the lows of 2022. We could go a little bit lower. Uh, the last time we, we got any lower was the $1,700 range, which we hit three times in 2021. The last time being in July it was also where we, we wicked down to at the end of May. And so really it's like either, either we buy right now because this, this looks good or we wait till seven, uh, like 1700 and buy then, um, but like if I, when I was listening to Raul talk in this podcast, I was like, okay, this makes me feel safer about buying right now just because like there, there is blood in the streets. Also like the NASDAQ is so low. The NASDAQ is down to like the, the, the depths of COVID. Uh, and so like, just, I'm not, I am not a charter, but just like that just feels good to me. When I'm looking at like bear market territory, I'm always looking like not at charts necessarily. Right but more percentage off all-time high and how low we're actually going to get, right? And so right now, ETH is 52% down from all-time high. Bitcoin's 54%. We've got some of the altcoins like uh, Solana, for, for example, layer one, 73% down from all-time high. Luna is in the same neighborhood as, as ETH, really. It's 58% down from all-time high, right? And like last previous markets, every, every cycle is a little bit different, gets a little bit lower, but Bitcoin went like 85% off all-time high, something in that range. Ether, of course, was 95%. What I'm saying is if this is a true bear market, it may not last like 18 months, but I feel like we're going to go higher, more down from all-time high than 
five percent, fifty three, fifty two percent, which is what ETH is right now. Feels like we're going sixties. Feels like we're going like maybe into the seventies at least. Even if you're a Bitcoin or an ETH, other alternative layer ones have got to go higher. And so my case would be like not buying until we're under two thousand ETH at least, like into the I don't know. 1500, 1600, 1700, we could go there. I'm not saying we get to like double digit ETH. That's like, I, that I would not, or triple digit ETH, excuse me, God, double digit. Triple digit ETH, that would be like surprising, but definitely possible. Triple digit um, ETH is 80% down, by the way. Triple digit ETH is 80% down. I don't yeah. think we get there. I think we get in the 70s. Uh, 95% is like- 70, 70% down is 1400. $1,400 What's 95% down? Is that about 95 so? God, you're going to make me look at that. That was like last time, right? Oh, God, I have to readjust my my scale. <laughs> 95% down is $200 ETH. $200 ETH. Okay. So I don't think we go there, but what I'm saying is it feels like we, we could have a ways to drop. Uh, what do you I think th- about this? I argument? think this is the argument of is this time different or is crypt- are the crypto cycles going to play out like all the other crypto cycles? Um, uh, and I think, I think you are in the, it's going to play out the way historical crypto cycles have played out. And I yes, think I'm with the in- adjustment, with the adjustment that it's going to be more muted because ETH is stronger now. So we're not going to get 95% down, right? We might get right. like 70s, high 70s percent, 80s percent possible. So yeah, you're that's saying Bitcoin, Ether is going to do what Bitcoin did last cycle, which yes, is like 85-ish percent. Yes. 85% is maybe still less. Bad. I think 70s. I, okay. I would say 70s. I would be happy with like 75 to 85% is kind of my range. 70, of 75 like, is $1,200. Okay. So, like, yeah, that that is, I, w- I would call that a classical crypto bear market. Uh, and I'm just not ready to sign up for that, man. Like, I, and, it, it, this time is different, TM. <laughs> so, and I'm not like, I wouldn't wait to the Pico bottom of like, say, 1200. That's why I'm more like under 2000, I start to get a bit warmer on it and Mm -hmm. like 1500 to 2000. Okay. You can't, you can't go too wrong buying pre-merge at those prices. That's my take on it. And again, here's the hilarious thing, guys. I'm not a trader. David's not a trader. We're just market participants observing this market. We know we want some more ETH. uh, And so we're just trying to figure out when's the day to buy. Like, so the, the, this time it's different argument is that there are just much larger pipes between institutions and crypto now. Uh, and so like that was, that's, this is uh, something that's only been true in this particular crypto cycle. And it's not to say that like institutions are these things that like, oh, they're going to protect us from the bear market because the institutions like, no, they're market participants just like we are. But like, at least there's potentially more of them uh, than there were all the other previous cycles. And, and it's also a function of just like, how much of this have we already done? Like the, the crypto is being correlated to equities in, at this present moment. Like when crypto goes down and equities go down, they, they all go down together. Uh, and like the NASDAQ is down at the bottom of March, 2020. Like it, it can't get any worse for equities before people start blowing up. And so like, how, what are we going to, we're going to wait for like some, your neighbor's like business to be on fire to, for like, like, are we waiting for smoke in the sky for, for us to be buying this? ETH? I definitely think it could get worse. We're barely into like a bear market. I don't even like, there's some pain out there, but not like pain, like 2018 level pain. And I would like, to, not like to see that, but I think we'd have to see that pain in other communities 
like especially alternative layer one communities potentially that are going like 90% off all time highs for me to feel like, okay, we're starting to bottom out. If indeed this is the bear, which I think it is looking like it's, it's turning into, I don't know if for the last two years again, but I still think it plays out classically, David. See, some people are talking about like, oh yeah, this is the bear, but we've been at lower prices this year. And it wasn't that level of bear (laughs) conversation. And we were at these prices. Well, yeah, yeah, okay. We've already been to $2,150 Ether back in January, and people weren't talking about the bear then. I mean, yeah, they were, they were, but right. not 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 to this like level of strength. Yeah, you're right. You could be right. And so like maybe I don't know, maybe it's like cuz more time has passed and now we're, we still haven't painted new highs. But like I don't know. I just, I kind of just don't get it. Maybe it's the UST thing that's like also a factor like that that feels like it's just hanging out there and that thing yeah. can explode and something could happen there but the debate continues david so okay well we could we could take it off podcast whether we buy today or not um when always when you're thinking about this like always a compromise is like you do half now and then half later right and that's actually what we did the first yeah we time, already right? did that we we've buy. already bought <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe we do it again we'll have to see uh Dude, we didn't really talk about the Raul episode, though. What were some of your takeaways? Um, I'm, I mean, we did talk about it a little bit. I guess. Look, but I like, guess, I guess. What do you th- what do you, what do you think about macro? His take on macro. God, like another round of stimmy checks seems really crazy, dude. Like that's so? ju- that's just like making stimmy checks like so normal. I'm worried about I the mean, precedent that it would set. Like that's that's what that's what I was trying to bring up with him. Is like, are, are we really? Do we really have the political appetite for more stimmy checks? I mean, isn't this a what Andrew Yang wanted to do with universal basic income? Yeah, it's different. Like Andrew wants it sustainable and like not dependent on market forces. Like Raul is saying, like, "Yo, there is a crisis. Red alert! Put money into people's pockets, or else they will starve." What do you make of the closest I've seen that looks a lot like this? Is um, wiping uh, debt on like academic debt, university debt, student debt, student, student debt. debt? Yeah, oh, overall, just like a debt jubilee. Um, yeah, basically. And then this is a stimulus. Now, the interesting thing about that kind of stimulus is you're only stimulating one like subset right. of the economy. Right. Excuse younger, it, of course, it's a but it's not a political choice. Even, right. It's definitely a political choice. I mean, blue collar workers are like WTF, like we, right. I'm right. my trade school. Uh, right. Like, what about right. what about why, me? Why, and why like, didn't I get this. Yeah, very like arguably uh, that that is uh, the population that's been most affected by mm-hmm. the economic fallout that we've that we've seen recently so that's also a political choice and then you know they elect their representatives and then more checks are you know pushed out it just seems like we're already on that train david of like well we've gotten our first right. stimmy check what about second stimmy checks right, right. what about thirds right. what about fourths right and every every group is going to come asking for it right and at some level, can you blame them? I mean, it just feels like asset prices have gone up. I think capital uh, allocators and capital holders uh, have already received their like decade-long stimulus check right. in the form of asset, asset price inflation right. through monetary stimulus. So can you blame anyone else who's going to the government being like, come on, where's yeah. mine? What's yeah. up? And I, I guess it, it, the data does like provably show that like people... It's not just like, a, hey, we're going to buffer COVID, but like, oh, you like people actually need the money at this present moment. Totally. Like, we're not joking about like how broke a lot, lot, a lot of the population is at the moment. 
Um, yep. And then with, with layoffs coming, uh, because that's what Raul, Raul thinks. Like, if you believe the layoffs are coming, it's only going to get worse. Right. Uh, and like, honestly, this is something that Bitcoiners have said all along is like, as soon as they start issuing stimmy checks, as soon as they start going direct to pocket, like it just becomes a social norm and you can't come back from that. I don't know. We'll have to see. There's an yeah. element to that. He thinks yeah. that's actually the way out, though, which is yeah. uh, interesting. Right. Um, so we'll have to see what happens. So yeah. right now, this moment in time, David, you bearish or you bullish on uh, the next three to six months? <sighs> if I, okay, if we do get a bear market, Ryan, here's, here's my ideal bear market. I, not, we don't have days that are like negative 30%. Like there, there, there were times in the 2018 market where like it was negative 30%. That always is scary. That always hurts. I would like a very long, drawn, boring 18 months. You want uh, crab market for 18 months? I, I, I could go down, honestly. Like I would love for it to crab. If we're going to go down to $1,700, I would like for it to slowly crab there. Um, people get bored again. <laughs> people people get super bored. And people they, stop and, listening to bank lists again, right. David. Yeah, and and I'm <laughs> and I'm just DCAing in every step of the way. Um, is the plan just like the? And this is what first cyclers. I, I've been beating this drum as long as possible. But like first cyclers, people that FOMO over ETH and not having enough Bitcoin or ETH or whatever, whatever your preferred asset is, like you want the bear market the most. Like I know you think that you want number to go up, but if you want to be like long term wealthy, you actually want number to go down. Uh, so that you can responsibly DCA in over a long period of time. I think you're saying that 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 like long cycle of 18 months is because I think you're saying that because you want the tourists to leave, mm-hmm. you want like the cool people to stay, the builders right. to stay, right. and like you want us to actually get some shit done. And it for and it I also a want a long time. buying opportunity of Ether mainly is the biggest one. Well, then we shouldn't buy today. Got ya. But- <laughs> <laughs> But no, this is if in my ideal bear market, oh, it's not okay. the one. That, it's not the one that I think out. is coming. So yeah. let me ask you then: What do you think is actually going to play out? Oh God! Well, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> like I could, if this was the bottom, like uh, of this local time frame, I could totally see it. I could totally see it. Um, you could totally see this being the bottom, and then we're you know back today. to yeah, back to crab for a bit up yeah. only. Yeah, and and maybe like it goes up to like thirty four hundred again and fakes people out, and then it crashes back down to twenty one hundred, and then people are like, oh, it is the bear market, and then we do that like three more times. I'm kind of I'm kind of waiting for um, next actions from the Fed. I'm kind of waiting for that mm. that that next mm. um, that next step that Raul was alluding to, where Powell mm-hmm. says, okay, like the Fed is like, okay, this is enough. We'll keep a watchful eye on it. Right. We've seen inflation go down. We we've seen kind of the 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 economy um, shrink, and now we're going to not take any action, keep a watchful eye on things. And to me, that'll be a that'll be a clue that some of the pain is over. But maybe assets recover going into that. Who knows? Yep. We don't know. Ultimately, at the end of the day, we are here for the long run. Uh, I don't know what else to say. We're just you know some multi-decade thing. So I'm okay with whatever happens, regardless. Cool. It doesn't really change things. Bankless will always be here during the bear market. You will, every Monday, if you need some comfort, Bankless will be there. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. This has been The Debrief. Cheers.